0: Everyone to the of a Podcast and it is, as always, wonderful to have you along with us and it's wonderful to have Tim with me here. It's good to be here, John. On the purple seats. On the purple seats. Oh, I don't
1: think I've recorded in this room yet. Yeah? Haven't you? No. You've recorded
0: in this seat but not in this room.
1: Oh, oh we moved the seat into the other room. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm.
0: Into the other, the other room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are still here at Miranda Congregational Church, a, the church that we are partnering with here at Soul Revival. And uh, you are partnering with me on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, will not make fun of what you're wearing today. Well, I don't make fun, I always point it out, but I'm not going to do that because uh, I was on the chip lunch earlier and I'm wearing a shirt with lemons on it. Yeah. I said, this is representative of my two co-hosts, Brad and Ethan, that when life gives you lemons, you got to make lemonade. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I always make a point about people's clothes yeah, for no okay. reason other than... Wasn't the,
1: you squeeze lemon onto your chips at the fish and chip shop?
0: No, it's yeah, not. So there you go, missed opportunity interesting right there. point. And then I also said my favourite saying is, you know that saying where people say, it's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys?
1: No, I don't think I've heard that one.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's like, you know, I'm uh, I'm surrounded by incompetence. Right. Yeah. I always thought it was a funny oh, saying. I'm sorry
1: to continue bringing your day down.
0: <laughs> another turkey on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you for jumping on. It's going to be a short one today just yes. because of time constraints. Uh, I always like having you on. Thank you. Thank you. You're making the rounds on social media with some clips that you've been from the last podcast like. you've talked about. That's yes. exciting. Check that out. Yeah, uh, on TikTok as well as you, you were right. making I don't a joke. Have a about. Way
1: of checking that, I don't think.
0: Uh, I can send you the link. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> How's that sound? <laughs> I don't enjoy TikTok either, but you know we're using it for promotional purposes rather than yeah, anything that's, else. That's fine. But if you do want to follow. Uh, us on TikTok at Saw Revival Church on TikTok. So check that out. There you go. It's exciting. Uh, Let's start with a cultural artifact.
1: Yeah, you've been reading a book.
0: I have been reading a book and really have only been reading probably the first 50 pages, but of Eric Metaxas's Metaxas's, uh, biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting already. Very well written. Yeah, good. I think. And that's uh, for a biography that's got Top marks for me Excellent. because with biographies they're a bit tough to get through. If they're you're just a like, bit of a fan of the biography, aren't you? I don't mind a biography. Yes, I, I like I like well written ones. So I think I've said before there is a there's a five part biography on Lyndon Johnson. Yes, and it is written by and I cannot think of the author at the moment. All However, the way with LBJ, all the way. Well, that was a saying when he was yeah. trying to get elected mm. for as president. Yep. but I've only read up until the point where he arrived in Washington Okay, and that's the first book which was 700 pages
1: yeah this is my problem with biographies and actually most history is mm. I'm usually interested in a topic or a person about 200 pages worth um, but so much history and so many biographies are like around the 700 1200 yeah. page mark and I just don't know if I've got it in me mm. to go that big on one particular moment in history or one particular person so they always intimidate me i think oh yeah i'm you know you know the whole hamilton craze over the last you know five years since oh, the, the musical the musical oh. and then that was based off a particular biography i'm like oh i'll do yes, that I biography have, i have that we're
0: on oh, Ch- biography but yeah, i have not there we read go
1: it, yeah. so but again like 800 pages and i just mm. look at 800 pages and i go no nah, mm. i don't have that much time in my life
0: well that's saying i think i've mentioned on this podcast before is the uh Ron Chernow, again, same guy that wrote the Hamilton biography right. of John D. Rockefeller. Yes. And I didn't finish it for two years and I finished it a few months ago. That's good. It was good, but it was this similar thing you are saying, like, oh, then he's just doing that, and then he's just doing yeah. that. And I think that we'll see how we go with Bonhoeffer's, but Metaxas's one is really well written, like the best one I've written. Yeah, well, good. Well, best written one I've read so far.
1: I've got a uh, Bonhoeffer biography that holds up my... T V my extra screen next to have lifetime. <laughs> <laptop>. it? <laughs> it's enormous. I bought it for an assignment and didn't realise how big it was until it arrived in the post. Really? And again, it's one of these like fifteen hundred pages. Wow. And I read the first three chapters. I knew all about his great great grandparents and that was exciting, but you know, then right. I haven't got past there. So That's maybe the one day I'll go back and read it. But at the moment it props up my second screen. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> but it's the same with the Lyndon Johnson one. It's they go back into where his family established themselves in tec- Texas. Yeah. Like all the way back to Texas being a frontier state and then pushing into these areas where, they're like, you could make so much money farming. And they ended up realising that the top layer of the soil was really fertile, but underneath that is a layer of limestone. Right. And so as they kept farming, it kept throwing all the limestone into the soil and spoiled the soil. So all uh-huh. these people went broke because okay. they were on the search for riches and ended up. Thinking, yes, we're going to make heaps of money in their first few crops, and after that, it destroyed their crops. That's right. And then it goes on talking about how people managed to live life back in the 1800s in a front frontier state of tech. It was front 1800s or 1700s, probably 1800s, and how you had to pick the peaches and then preserve the peaches so you could have them later on. And there's a lot going on there. That was thank goodness for washing machines. That's all I can say. <laughs> Anyway, that's uh, uh, back to Bonhoeffer biography. It's really good. Check it out if you want to. But it, uh, I'm really enjoying how it's written. Apparently, Bonhoeffer decided he was going to be a theologian at the age of 12.
1: That's quite an aspiration. Yeah, but he'd mm.
0: already decided earlier that but he hadn't told anyone oh, because in his second. family and his dad especially he was like, "You better not say anything unless you've thought it thought it through very well."
1: Interesting. Yeah, well, that's that's a German thing.
0: Is it? Yeah, definitely. and you can speak to that. I can
1: speak to that. Yeah, yes. It's, yeah. I'd appreciate that. There was this a uh, joke my dad used to tell, which is not really a joke, but um, <laughs> it's about it, – it just goes there. was this, you know, four-year-old – five-year-old? Anyway, pick, pick a young age child who hadn't said a word um, and the parents were quite worried mm. about his development, development. speech development. Mm. And all of a sudden he's at breakfast and he says, I need sugar on my porridge. And the parents look at him and say – my oh, goodness, this is the first time you spoke. It's so exciting. Because <laughs> "Why haven't you spoken before? Because before now, everything was satisfactory." <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so. Apparently, in Germany, that's that's an outrageous. Yeah, you know, people will just laugh all day on that because it's so s- true.
0: Speak so so much to
1: yeah. the truth of the thing. Yeah. So wow, I find that I yeah don't necessarily. Well, actually, no, I like the sound of my own voice, but <laughs> I seem to talk a lot. But uh, no, I don't try not to use excessive words.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm interested that you... That's the same with your reading. You just said that it was the same with reading biographies. You only want to read the 200 words. You don't want to read the 700.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I love like really? history podcasts.
0: Oh, do you? But yeah. you're doing something else at the same time, so...
1: Well, that's true, yeah. I'm either walking the dog or going for a run or what's driving the, around.
0: What's the most interesting history podcast you've listened to lately?
1: Uh, the I started number of years ago with Stuff You Missed in History Class. That yeah. was quite good. Uh, and then dropped that after a while and I've, in the last year, have picked up The Rest is History.
0: That's a good one. Yeah,
1: which apparently is one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Is it? So I've heard. Yeah.
0: I know we've talked about it on this podcast before, but mm. it's very fun. It is really fun. I don't know if you rested to the Napoleon one, but when Tom Holland started the Napoleon one with an impersonation of Napoleon – Right, that's hilarious. Yes, yeah, it's really yeah. funny. They've
1: just finished a series on um, JFK. JFK. I haven't listened in, to including it, including LBJ's role.
0: Yes, uh, yes,
1: and whether he was the shooter is one of the conspiracy theories that from Two Cars Back he was the one that.
0: Oh really? Made the shot. Apparently, my conspiracy a, theory conspiracy is that he he arranged it.
1: Right there you go.
0: But not. Mm, I don't think he mm, was the shooter. Uh,
1: yeah, that's a little far fetched. I think. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's probably a bit hard to prove that one. Probably, LBJ was the shooter.
0: Well, I only say that from reading LBJ's biography. I know the first part, but he would do absolutely anything to get power. Interesting. So the first election that he won, a car carrying ballot papers, just a box of ballot papers, ended up falling out of the back of the car.
1: Right.
0: And what a coincidence! And affected the result of the election. There you go. So that's what makes me think of it, but I don't know if that's for sure. It'd be interesting
1: to hear from you when you get to book three or four or whatever it's sure. going to be. That when it gets to Kennedy's assassination, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be Yeah, just to because see they, how they deal with that topic.
0: He, I think, doesn't. I think LBJ took the uh, what's you know when they swear you in as a president. Yes. He did that on the plane on Air Force One or something like that. It was on the plane. I yes, believe.
1: they rushed him. Uh, Well, once they declared uh, JFK dead at the hospital, they then, uh, I found out this in the podcast, they fought the medical personnel who really wanted to do an autopsy there and the Secret Service said, no way, we're taking him back to Washington. So they whisked the whole entourage back to the plane and that's where, before they even took off lbj gets one uh, in yes i've seen the photo yeah. So yes that yeah. makes
0: it there you go that makes sense mm. uh i think i don't think i mentioned what the podcast was that i've been listening to lately but it's uh on the is arab israel conflict right and it is a podcast from 2015 okay and it's on a feed called martyr made but it is a six-part series and every part is three and a half hours and wow. it traces all the way back from the start about where it kind of happened from uh, Jewish people being persecuted especially in Russia and Eastern Europe yes, and that's yeah. where it began uh, it's quite awful but it's good to hear I like to hear the the real roots of the beginning of what's happening right now in Israel yeah and Palestine I yeah
1: say. it's um yeah it's good to be able to listen widely to lots of different mm-hmm. perspectives just to be aware that there's lots of perspectives uh, and it's to be able to dig into those and at least to be able to empathise with, okay, I can understand you feel this because, mm. yeah, and you can yep. track people's history
0: back. And I think it helps you with the nuance of Absolutely. situations yeah, like yeah. that rather yeah. than having a, a strong opinion.
1: It's definitely not a situation where there are simple answers <laughs> yes. and simple takes. Yes. Uh, and Anyone who's got a simple hot take <laughs> is just wrong from the start. Oh, ooh. Yeah. That's my hot take. That is a hot take. I was going to say. Under the bank.
0: Wow. Pointed at the camera too. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. That's that's a crazy one. No, I just not, see, no it's, sorry, not it's a so crazy messy. one.
1: It's, it's, it's just so complicated. It uh, is. Yeah. yeah.
0: I And I enjoy that with lots of things, including even, uh, you know, I like watching football and people are just like, oh, he's a terrible player. I'm like, well, and I like finding the nuance and going, well, maybe he isn't terrible, but maybe also he's this and this and this happened and it doesn't fit in the team and – you know, it's hard for him to adapt to a new country and all those things are too. So yeah, well mean, if
1: you're talking about someone in a Premier League or like in a top league team, then clearly they're not a terrible football player. <laughs> That's
0: uh, right. They're <laughs> like the 0.001% yeah. of players.
1: It's like the, the person who comes last in the swimming in the Olympics. You're like, yeah. oh,
0: you suck. You only came <laughs> eighth in the entire world. Uh, <laughs> That's right, in swimming, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. So like we said, it's going to be a short podcast. Yes. But a couple of things that we thought we could talk about is the uh, – you preached on the weekend
1: i did i quoted quite a bonhoeffer actually there you go what's that for a segue? fantastic segue. i forgot that i had until just that moment
0: every time we say segway on either the podcast that i'm on i just think of those two wheel oh yes yeah, the yeah yeah my wife's uncle had one okay and i once saw him riding around Padstow in it yeah right there you go with the handles like your, yes the standing one yes
1: because I've seen a lot of kids around my place with the ones H- that adjust. Hoverboard things? Yeah, kind of like a hoverboard, but it's basically a Segway without the handle. Yeah. Uh, it's, it works on the same gravitational focus, I think.
0: Anyway, good Segway that good I segue. ruined. Back to a Segway. You preached on Hosea? Uh, Amos. Amos. Amos, sorry. Amos, Hosea was the week before. And what did Amos have to say for us?
1: Well, so we're doing a series on Advent, and we're yep. particularly looking at the prophets who foretold... Advent, uh, and thinking about Advent both as the first coming and also the second coming of Christ. And so the whole season of Advent is counting up to Christmas, Mm. Uh, so Advent calendars and you open the doors and eat your chocolate or whatever it is. Um, But So you're counting up towards Christmas, but actually the whole season is designed that as we count up to and remember Jesus' first coming, that we're actually resting in anticipation for his second coming as well. And so the section we looked at in, in Amos, uh, chapters 8 and 9, uh, particularly the end of 9, uh, is where we get this picture of new creation. Mm. And so we get this picture of what it's going to look like when uh, everything is made made right. So most of Amos is a book of judgment, and it's quite harsh towards particularly the people of Israel. So there are small little snippets throughout Amos on how God is going to judge the other nations around Israel, but then he gets to the judgment of Israel itself. Mm. Um, And that's a much longer section and a a much more full-on section. And that is because basically the idea is God hates sin, yes, and he hates sin out there, but most of all he hates sin within his people. Mm -hmm. And so he takes the judgment of his people very seriously. So that's the majority of what Amos is all about. And then just the last couple of verses, all of a sudden you get this big shift from judgment, 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 to God will make all things new and there will be restoration. And like a lot of the Old Testament prophets, you have this uh, picture which is kind of fulfilled in the return from exile, kind of fulfilled in Jesus, and kind of fulfilled in new creation. And so a very typical image of this is when you're, if you're on the valley and you're looking out and you see the mountains and almost like a kid's drawing of mountains. It's just this sketch in the background. <laughs> you just got all these little peaks. Yep. And so um, it's like the Old Testament is prophets are looking ahead and they're just saying mountain range. And they, would, they write as if a child is drawing a mountain range. Now, when you actually get to those mountains, you actually realise that there could be kilometres in between mm-hmm. those mountains. But from your perspective where you were, you couldn't see the distance. All you saw was all the, the mountain range ahead. And so that's a common image that commentators use to talk about how uh, when the Old Testament prophets are prophesying about the restoration of all things, there's a lot of language which you can say, oh, that was when they returned from Israel and they rebuilt Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple and they rebuilt the walls. Uh, And the answer is, well, yes, it kind of is uh, because they did do those things. And yet there's hints in Nehemiah and Ezra, which is where you see those things being rebuilt, that this can't be it because there's people who are sad. It's like, this is not as impressive as it was. And um, God's spirit doesn't return to the temple in that moment. And mm. so you've got this, is, was that it? Was that all we were waiting for? And you realise, well, no, there must be something else. And then Jesus comes and through his life, death and resurrection, we say, oh, here we go. Here is the restoration of all things. And uh, yes, it is in the sense that he inaugurates the new kingdom. But then he goes up into heaven and says, you know, now preach that gospel to all nations, uh, and then I will return. So that was kind of like the second mountain, that it is true that he restores all things in his death and resurrection, but also that's just a precursor for new creation. And so you finally get to the third mountain, which is Revelation 21 kind of picture of new creation. So that's kind of what I painted out in Mm. the sermon on Sunday, was this God is bringing new things. And the way I kind of set it up was to talk about the uh, the. The world looks like it's hurtling towards disaster and there's lots of things going on there's the you know israel gaza war there's yeah ukraine there's um uh i was gonna say ethiopia is there ethiopia sudan? no sudan the sudan hmm. um civil war in sudan at the moment then you've got you know the climate crises. you've got all these different things that people are anxious about. You've got new waves of COVID coming through. You've got uh, the cost of living crisis that people are stressed about and mortgage and rent stress Mm. for people. There's a whole lot of stuff in the news at the moment about NDIS funding and if it's going to suddenly blow out. And So there's lots of things that you look at and go, oh, the world seems to be hurtling towards disaster. I
0: feel like people also capitalise that on weather. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I feel like weather weather is becoming more of a thing to drive... People did clicks. Oh, I see. Yeah, so right. I'm sorry to it throw that It's getting in hotter. In. Yeah. Well, is it getting hot? Yeah, maybe it is, but. Yeah.
1: Well, you keep saying, yeah, the hottest day on record or the driest yeah. summer on record or yeah. the wettest summer on record or like there's all these, yeah, record breaking things. And I think what they're trying to signal is uh, the climate appears to be changing. Um, Possibly. And then, yeah, I mean, all the climate science is well beyond my expertise.
0: I don't even say that because, again, uh, I've seen it in America, how they're just like, there's a Category 5 hurricane coming. Right. And then it's like live coverage of the whole thing. Yeah, okay. But then it ends up just like blowing itself out on the Atlantic Ocean and it doesn't even happen.
1: Mm. But And I, I guess part of that is, I mean, there's always a narrative. So there's always, yeah, what's the narrative behind that? Um, but you've also, I mean, particularly in America, when you've got the cyclones that come through the Gulf of Mexico, mm. I mean, you have that horrendous one in New Orleans, yes. which killed thousands and thousands of people um, because there wasn't enough warning people didn't take it seriously so right. now they kind of err on the side of now you've got to take it seriously yeah. and we've seen the same thing in australia with bushfires yes so we've had you know horrendous bushfires come through and people um either barely escape with their life or don't um and die in the bushfire because they just go oh yeah it's just bushfire and so you know they're always talking about how do you change the ratings how do you help it People to realize no no catastrophic means you need to leave yes because we cannot save you if a bushfire comes through and you are in this place and so mm. yeah i think part of it is that kind of signaling as well
0: yeah sorry i don't mean to make light of actual no, natural no. disasters it's just that sometimes it's like there's a 35 degree c- day coming and we don't know what's going to happen and people are going to suffer like, yes yeah i think australia's had 35 degree days well, for any before. uk
1: listeners that would be like if it reaches you know 25 or 30 yeah yeah I, well, I hope we've got uk listeners
0: we've got this, so, yeah
1: message underneath Talk in the comments.
0: In the comments. Yeah. Let us know where you're from. Yeah. Now, I threw that in about weather, to and I kind of hijacked what you were saying, so I thought you were doing really well explaining. The one thing I was going to ask you, though, that idea of the three mountains, where did that come from?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's It's an old analogy. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've learned it well back in Bible college, and I don't think it was a new idea then. Oh, okay. So, yeah. It's a pretty common is it? I'm image. sorry. No, no, no. As in like, you know, it's, it's often talked about when you try and talk about Old Testament prophets, what were they seeing? Yeah. Um, and the the realisation that particularly those ones who are pre-exile or exile, you know, were they seeing the return from exile? Well, yes, they were. Were they seeing Jesus? You were, yes, they were. Were they seeing new creation? Well, yes, they were. But they the language is blurred all the way through and it's only this side of resurrection that we can see uh, the distinction between those things.
0: And then so... As I said, I hijacked what you were saying, but no, then you right. kind of posted, the, sorry, uh, illustrated the idea as like we have the hope to look forward to.
1: Yeah, so I, I use this line, like it seems like the world is hurtling towards disaster. Uh, um, yes. And I said, we're actually the message of the Bible and Amos, the last few verses of Amos 9 is actually the world is hurtling towards hope. Mm. Um, so we're in an inevitable collision towards hope.
0: That's pretty um, cool. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was just trying to like bring out that idea that, um, As Christians, we can be assured of new creation. We can be assured that this is where the world is heading. Mm. Um, And that then reshapes how we identify ourselves, how we think about the world, how we engage with things like politics and wars and climate science and, um, you know, environment care. And, like, it actually shapes all of those things if we remember that actually the world is hurtling towards hope uh, and who we are in that because of Jesus.
0: Mm. I found that helpful. I think it might have been the last sermon. No, it was the first sermon of Advent that Stu Preach that I heard. And he was talking about how there's a lot of why hasn't Jesus come back? If he's coming back, why hasn't he come back? And a big part of his sermon was well, that's because God isn't done saving yet. He hasn't yeah. finished. And I, I like that because that paints an idea of we can have hope that more people are being saved, but also because of the big hope, that you are talking about, we're hurtling towards hope. We've got that to look forward to. Yeah. Hmm, so I think it was really cool. In the interest of time, let's move on. Mm. Uh, you wrote a rather feisty article, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll put the link in the show notes for this article. Uh, in response to a, another article that was written on the Gospel Coalition website about youth and children's ministry?
1: Uh, yeah, it was particularly about youth ministry. Yep. Uh, and so, I, I mean being someone who's passionate about children's ministry, I'd sort of weave that in there as well. But mm. um, there, there was lots of great things about the article and I try to notice those at the front top of my article. Um, and it was uh, – the, the article is called Youth Ministry is More Than Friday Night. Uh, Which is very true.
0: We do, absolutely, mm. as, yeah, as a heading. Thing. Yes, it's very true.
1: Yeah, totally. And there were lots of really great points. So I was talking about how discipleship is more than Friday night. You got to think about during the week how you're encouraging your young people to grow in their knowledge and love of Jesus. Um, and it's more than this Friday night. You're also thinking about who they're going to be in the future. Um, and so there were lots of good things in there that I really appreciated. One of the things that frustrated me when I read it was uh, so much. Well, actually, the the, the entire uh, pitch seem to be um, we do good youth ministry now because of who the young person is going to be and going to become in the future so there's a lot of talk about uh, future ministries so uh, a couple of the quotes you know what is it going to take to get someone like Jill from a current youth group attendee to a future youth group leader uh, which is a great question
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but then another one you know, how does a kid in year one grow in their maturity in Christ so that when they're in their 20s, they are faithfully committed to Christian. Um, you know, good youth ministry works towards becoming an adult member of the church community. And that was the tone all the way through. The thing that frustrated me was it kind of triggered for me number of conversations where people see the value of children's and youth ministry not in the immediate now and not because children are the church of today, but because this sort of aspirational hope that the children will, will be the church of tomorrow. Uh, and there's just enough of that still lingering in the conversations that i have and the pl- the things that i read online that it it made me kind of a, a little bit grumpy and i was like <laughs> no, i have got to write this yeah so <laughs> i wrote it down and i sent it to, to my colleague uh who's awesome and she said yep here's all the place you need to turn that down so i did um <laughs> she's great and um but uh but essentially the, the So yes, the original article was Youth Ministry is More Than Friday Night and so I titled mine Youth Ministry is More Than Future Fruit. Uh, And so the idea being that because children and young people are disciples now, um, it's not just about who they will be. We're not, I'm not doing children's ministry now because I want leaders in 10 years' time. I'm not doing Mm. children's ministry now um, because it's planting seeds. Um, I'm doing good children's ministry now because these young people are disciples of Jesus and I want good youth ministry now because they are or at least have the opportunity to be disciples of Jesus right now. Uh, And so that was the sort of the frustration that the article raised in me uh, was – Sure, like, I mean, I am concerned about their future growth. I am concerned about, you know, having leaders in the future and, you know, in 20 years' time having these people be active adult members of churches. Of course I care about those things. But that is not the leading reason uh, of why we want to do effective youth and children's ministry now. We want to do effective youth and children's ministry now because they are disciples and we want them to know Mm. Jesus, love Jesus, obey Jesus, and to continue to do that um, and so, yeah, that was just the kind of thing that was, was in my mind. Um,
0: mm. Well, yeah. I love your passion about it. I think it speaks to a little bit of an idea that I'm trying to work out in my mind. So let me put it out and see mm. what you think. That God is a lot more and, and both, and or both, rather than either or. Right, yes, sure. So uh, truth and love. God is both. Uh, Sanctification, or justification and sanctification. Now, justification needs to come first before sanctification, but they both work together in different ways. So it's not one or the other. It's both. I think it's similar in this scenario, and maybe I'm drawing too long a bow, but youth ministry is great now, for now, and also for the future.
1: Yeah. What do you think? Absolutely. And so I had... um uh one person on twitter come back to me and say where's his little comment um he said yeah i wholeheartedly agree that youth ministry is more than future fruit but it's not less than either we don't want to conflate mm. caring about future discipleship with just being instrumental mm. and uh and i replied and said yeah sure of course uh, so exactly what you said it's not either or uh it is definitely both and and so what I was noting in this other article was there was no, no uh, expression of the importance of the discipleship right now. It was so future-focused. Um, and, yeah, I've had enough of those conversations that made me realise, no, 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 we need to keep fighting for uh, and arguing for, articulating the uh, need for good children's and youth ministry because of the young people who are in there right now who are disciples of Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's kind of like saying I want to do good ministry to middle-aged people now because so that I want um, our retirement villages filled with mature disciples Precious. of Christ. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sure, but isn't it also about them right now? now? Don't you want the 40-year-old now to be growing... To, to be knowing Jesus and loving Jesus. You don't just want them to be a fruitful member of a retirement village in yeah. 30
0: years' time. We could have more fruit now and later. That's right. Yeah, we don't have to choose.
1: Um, mm. And uh, that was the kind of expression that I was trying to – and, and I, we don't talk about that, about middle-aged people, uh, because we assume the church is for them. And so this is part of it as well, that – uh, I think we keep having to have these conversations in youth and children's ministry because there's enough of a uh, lingering feel among some that it it's not quite for them it's not really for them uh, maybe they're not really just children they're not sorry they're not really disciples um, or we would say that they are but we don't act like they are um, and it is trying to help communicate no no they they deserve the best possible ministry that we can give them now because of who they currently are yes as well as
0: of course yeah who God has made them be. to be yeah. at that point in time yeah and yeah. in 80
1: years' time I want them to be active fruitful members of a retirement village as well absolutely, absolutely. but <laughs> that's not why I mean that's that's God's you know working them sanctifying them as you say mm. for the next 80 years mm. uh, right now I'm doing my best possible job helping mm. them to know what it looks like to love Jesus, obey Jesus, uh, and know him be, as a five-year-old or a 15-year-old.
0: Yeah, definitely. Good way to finish. Thank you. You need to head off. Yeah. Thank you very much for jumping on so quickly. No worries. I, think, I think we can keep talking about that God's not either and or, either or he's and and both. I think we needed. I need, I need to delve into that more. Okay, yeah. It speaks more to his character and his omniscience and... Yeah, I'm, I haven't got it right yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, probably another time we can come back and talk about some of the stuff that Christopher Watkins writes in Biblical Critical Theory because right. a lot of his diagonalization is his big tool. This is starting a whole new can of worms. But he's trying to uh, – it's not quite a both end. It's a little bit both end, but he's trying to say, we, we notice these dichotomies all the time. Um, and it's not that they're false dichotomies, but they're noticing different mm-hmm. aspects of who God is and how he works in the world. And here, Christopher Watkins' big argument throughout the entire book is: we need some sort of uh, yeah. I don't know if he use both hands, but he, he uses this word diagonalization, which basically is the they're both noticing true things. And so, when you notice dichotomies yep. happen, often you're both noticing true things, overemphasizing a part of it, underemphasizing a part of it, yep. to the detriment of the other.
0: Fascinatingly, that's a really big book that you've read.
1: Uh, it is a really big book that I've. Almost finished reading. <laughs> well, you, you have a, this is like me with the Rockefeller yeah. biography. Yeah. The <laughs>
0: anyway, thank you, Tim. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you to anyone that's listening and watching. We really appreciate it. If you want to add to the conversation, email me, joel at or you can throw a comment in the YouTube comments and tell us where you're from. Tell us where you're from and what you thought of Tim's article. <laughs> we'll finish it the one way. way. Thanks, guys. <laughs>